Um, yeah, I, I wish somehow I recorded that because that, I don't know if it was the song or your spirit, whatever it is, but man, there's some energy in the room this morning. It feels good. It is exactly what I needed. It's exactly what I needed. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's great stuff. It's great stuff. And what's funny is that song was written out of a sad occasion, right? Horatio Spofford, he lost his whole family and he's, he's traveling across the ocean and he stops. Well, he didn't stop, but the captain woke him up in the middle of the night and said, this is where your family died. Not his wife did, but the kids, you know, and, 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 and he, that's the song he wrote. Those are the words he wrote to God. He goes, I, you know, there's, there's stuff, but it's well with my soul. And I love doing that song right after our prayer time because we lift these prayers up and we go, it's okay because God's got this. It, it doesn't make sense yet. I don't know how he's got this. I don't know why I have this sense of peace, but it's well with my soul. Man, whoo. Last week we talked about freedom. And it was just a few days prior to the election. So I felt it was important to talk about some of the basic freedoms that we were privileged to enjoy, not the least of which is the freedom of religion and its expression. And, and I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, to go back because it wasn't political at all, but it was a good reminder why the forefathers put in this freedom of religion and religious expression because they knew that a society that was, you know, that looked to God for direction and principles and morality would be a good nation of people. And we've kind of twisted that a little bit to freedom from religion, right? Because we, in the name of not hurting feelings, we want to, but it still has to be there. And we talked about what good expression of, of religion is, right? Because how do we balance that? We're called to, to share the joy and the mission and evangelize and, and, and all these things. But how do, we, how do we do that? And that's the challenge sometimes. But what a wonderful country we have that we even have that problem right so i think it's apropos that we just celebrated veterans day as well i'd like to take a moment to honor those in the congregation this morning that have served this great nation to protect that freedom we hold so dear so if you don't mind the attention please stand if you've served in any branch army air force navy coast guard space force thank you guys I, I love the Ronald Reagan statement that says, people who fight for our country don't fight because they hate what's in front of them, but because they love what's behind them, right? This message, this week's message is once again about freedom, but this time it's about our freedom to choose attitudes and actions that bring about unity. Sometimes this boils down to a single choice that you have the freedom, power, and responsibility to make. And that's why we've titled this this message, or I've titled this message, One Choice From Together. As we read scripture, we're going to hear a few familiar words that are often taken to be synonyms like unity and, and peace, right? We kind of think those go together. They do go together, but they mean something different. And the original Greek word for unity is oneness, whereas peace is a state of rest or quiet composure, right? Unity and peace, agreement, harmony, you know, undivided, that's unity, Calm, quiet, contentment, even, even compromise, that's peace. There can be a quiet conflict, right? We can sit here quietly and stew. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of, we do that, right? There can be this quiet conflict. So therefore, peace does not necessarily indicate unity. It might just mean a quiet, you know, dissension. It may be true that peace doesn't guarantee unity, but I would argue that there can't be unity without peace, Right? Because we need to have 
some of that harmony, you know, as we look for true peace. And there are many verses about unity, but the audience, but the audience and the intent are varied. Are they speaking of Christian unity? Like we're united as a, as a group that we call the church, you know, the global church of, of Christians. Is it unity in Christ, right? Are we united with him and his mission? Or is it something else? So I want, we're going to open the Bible and read. And I'm going to start with a couple, couple older ones. Psalm 133.1, right? These are the Psalms of David. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, in the first test of the Bible, God's people most commonly referred to the Israelites. The, the Old Testament or the first testament is their story. The psalmist is talking about how this would-be nation would celebrate its solidarity as a united bunch of people. Now, they weren't perfect. They, they certainly messed up along the way, right? There's all these stories of how they fell away and were, were you know, overran and, and exiled and all this stuff. But they kept coming to God. They were God's people, and they were united in that. In John 17, to 23, it captures the words of Jesus. He's praying, and he just prayed for his disciples. Now he's turning, he's praying for all believers. He said to God, he said, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they be as one as we are one, speaking he and, and the Father are one. He says, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. The Apostle Paul wrote many epistles, many letters. In Romans 12, 16, 18, he starts to say, live in harmony with one another. He says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate people of lowly position. Now, I want to I kind of clarify that. These are people that do menial work. These aren't bad people when he's saying of lowly position. He's doing menial work, and then, you know, you can, might be able to fill in what that might look like to you. But he said, don't be proud, or he said, be willing to associate with everyone regardless of, their, of the, what they do. He says, do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Well, that's tough, right? We always want to get justice, our, our definition of, of justice. He says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And this is the key. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, right? We carry this responsibility to live at peace with everyone. And it says, as far as it's up to you. So God gets it. God gets it. But he says, as far as it's up to you, in his letter, first letter to the Corinthians, it says, uh, Paul says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. Now, this word brothers and sisters refers to believers, okay? Both men and women as a part of God's family. So he says, I appeal to you by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. United in thought and purpose. What is our mission? What is it that God wants us to do as a group of, of people that we call a church, right? And we, we know this. The church is the people. Galatians 3.26 says, For you, all, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all have been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, right? These are the, the two factions, whatever. There's no longer slave or free, male or female, he says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. On the stuff that matters, we're the same. You are a child of God. Ephesians 4, 3, more advice from Paul. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with, with peace. And lastly, Colossians three thirteen, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? Pay it forward. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds these all together in perfect unity. Love, that's the key. These five, last five were, were contained the letters written by the Apostle Paul. And they were written to the Christians gathering in the, these places that would become churches. Galatia and Ephesus and, and Corinth. And Paul's instructions and teaching on unity are intended to codify the church, right? We're, we're going to make this thing solid so that it, or, or we, can be strengthened. We can be emboldened and focused in our pursuit of continuing Jesus' ministry and God's will in the world. Being united also provides protection. And we know from last week's message that Christianity is under attack, right? I couldn't help but think of a scene from the movie Gladiator. Who thought they were going to come to church and watch Gladiator scene this morning? Yeah, this church is cool. Yeah. Now watch this, okay? It's edited. I took the gore out. out of these gates we have a better chance of survival if we work together if we work together we survive hold together together and there was that scene where they all just kind of massed together with their shields around them right and they were protected i had to do a whole lot of editing to cut out the the stuff but you you can see where it was right we we massed together and the other one you know because now we're on a now we're on a gladiator theme go ahead and flip it i have this image has anybody seen the movie 300 yes (laughs) Right? And, and their key to survival, these 300 men that were to take on this immeasurable army as they had these shields, and they just, they bound together, become one solid mass that was almost impenetrable. That is unity. Now, I'm not saying we should grab our shields and spears, although, you know, if you keep reading Galatians, it talks about the spiritual armor. But these examples of immunity may be violent and even barbaric, and hey, that's, that makes money for Hollywood, but but the power of unity comes in many forms. Early in the worship service, we sang the hymn, They'll Know We Are Christians. Right? Consider those lyrics that I read from 1 John 4.12. It says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In John 13.35, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Right? They will know we are Christians by our love, not our prickly spears. You know, we need those sometimes in our shields, but by our love. Remember, you may be the only Jesus that someone sees. That's a common expression, right? 
And last week I, I posed this statement this way. I said, you may also be what someone judges Jesus or his ministry or his followers or church by, right? And, and I can't mention that without thinking, right? If someone's saying, if that's how a Christian acts, right? You cut me off, you gave me the finger, you, you know, you got whatever you did. You know, I don't want a part of it. I don't, I don't need that. It's hypocrisy, and, and it's what interesting, and I'm, I'm doing a study now, and I'm challenging myself to find the sins that Jesus said that, that he doesn't want us to do. Now, the Bible's loaded with the thou shalt nots, and he explains some things, but I keep coming back to his hypocrisy and his disdain for hypocrisy, right? But yet he knows that, that that's what we are, right? Because we know what we should be doing. We talk about what we should be doing, and we still struggle with it, right? That's, that's why we came together. There wouldn't be a church if you had to be perfect before you got here. So, but he, you know, as he talked to the, the Pharisees and stuff, it was the hypocrisy that, that drove them nuts. And the answer to that is not, I mean, obviously the answer is to, to get our lives straight and, and stuff, but, but it's to be honest, to be humble. We're not better than anyone else. In fact, we're facing the same struggles as everyone else. We haven't even mastered. In fact, there's, there, you know, there are people probably outside this church that maybe do a better job in some areas than we do. But we come together, encourage each other. We come in unity to work on the things we need to be working on to, to enjoy life the way God intended us to enjoy it. You know, those verses I read, and I read, what, five or seven, they're, they're letters written to the church. And perhaps this congregational unity is just step one in carrying out the greater mission, right? We, we have to be on the same page as we go forth, even if we don't have it all figured out. And, and I thought of this, this, this picture here. This is, this is one of the base camps climbing Everest, okay? And, and these base camps, some of them are higher than a lot of people would climb anywhere else in the world. But you go to these places and you stop, and what do you do? You, you, you get your, yourself together, you get rested up for what's ahead. So I like to think of Sunday morning and Wednesday evening our gatherings as a sort of base camp, right? This is where we get organized, encouraged, we get motivated to take on the week, to spiritually you know, equip ourselves. We, we check our gear. We get loaded up on the supplies we need. You know, This is the verse I'm going to have to carry this week. It's going to be a tough one. And then we head out, right? We don't stay here. We, we head out because this isn't the end of the trail. This gives us the best chance of success for our uphill climb, which sometimes that's what life feels like. And it's survival in an environment that can be far from hospitable. But we're equipped, we're armored, we're, we're ready to go, we're motivated, and we've got a good, good God with us. We might find ourselves thinking that gathering here on Sunday morning is the destination, right? Some may think that this is just the bare minimum of, of what to do. Like, it's a given assumption this is where we'll be on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Um, and, you know, but the above and beyond, what comes next, that's the real stuff, Right? But we must realize that for some of us, just the journey that brought us here was a challenge. Certainly, even in a crowd, a room of this relative size, there are a variety of stories and experiences. And, and my own story includes a period where I told God that I love him. I love you, God, but I'm not setting foot in your church again. It's the people, right? It's the people. I, and, and look what he did to me, right? Oh, should have learned from Jonah. Don't tell God no. But, but, but it's, what's, it's interesting is, is it, <laughs> at least it worked out well. <laughs> I love this place. I love you guys. And, and maybe you're giving church another try. Maybe you're here for the very first time, maybe the first time in a while. Maybe you, you're listening online because you're not able to make it in person. We do have a lot of people that listen online. Maybe you're here out of desperation. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there something here 
Maybe you can find something to satisfy that need or to identify it. And let's recognize and honor those stories, right? Sometimes it's just good to be here. So I say, welcome to church. You made it. We're so glad you're here. And when you say those words out loud or even in your heart, you're making a choice to accept someone as they are. That is the spirit of love. That is the spirit of unity. I'm glad you're here. It's not that I don't care what your problem is. That problem doesn't define you. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to church. I think we can agree that the seven unity verses I shared a moment ago were written in respect to Christian unity. That is unity within the church. Because remember, Paul's trying to get us to, to get a cohesive unit for what we're doing here. We also know that God's commandment calls for love and a relationship beyond the bounds of our gatherings and gathering places. The First Testament prophet Malachi pleaded, he says, are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? We absolutely are. We can be united by shared experience and circumstances, right? These can be good or bad. Local sports teams have a way of uniting fans, especially across the city when wonderful things are happening, right? Super Bowl champions, Stanley Cup, right? Yeah, everybody's got team spirit. It's a good unity. It's a little superficial, right? Because what happens the next season for the Royals, right? But, but it's good. It feels good for a moment. And tragedies and natural disasters, horrible things. September 11th, right? They prove to unite the people of this nation even for a moment. This is based on a bad shared experience, but, but it provided unity. Likewise, we can be united for things. Being a part of a team creates a unified effort to, to win. Being a part of a cause or movement is unifying, right? Because we want to further this cause. We want to we solve that issue. We want to take on cancer. We can unite for that. Hopefully, it's something good and of value that we're united for this effort, not something that, that's going to just tear and create more division. But as both the Apostle Paul and the prophet Malachi pointed out, what truly unites us on a core level is who we are, and that's God's creation. Now, we may not all agree on who God is to us. I mean, in this room, I'd like to think we do. But in the world, but that doesn't change who we are to him. Even if we don't fully agree on who God is, we still share this commonality of who we are to him, his children, his beloved. God's own words through the prophet Hosea said, I will call those who are not my family, I'll call them or my people, he said, I'll call them my people. And who, her who is not beloved, I'll call her beloved. You know, God is so awesome, so powerful, so strong. You know, it takes an amount of strength to be able to choose things like that, right? You don't love me, but I choose to love you. That's tough. That takes a lot of power, right? To forgive someone. You know, the Bible talks about God forgets our sins now how in the god who can know everywhere be everywhere all this stuff the all the omnis right how can he forget because he chooses to do so we have so much power in our choices last week to understand the biblical definition of freedom we had to look at galatians 5 and, and then in context we discovered it was in response to the apostle paul's concern how they had used their god-given freedom a lot of them to to get off the track to understand unity, we need to look at another of Paul's letters, and this one um, to the Christians that were gathering and growing in Ephesus. So if we look at Ephesians 4, it contains a lot of good stuff, but I'm going to kind of give you a, a high view of, of, of Ephesians, right? It starts with this greeting. 
And it's Paul to the, the church of Ephesus. And, and of course, the greetings of that time were basically who you are first and then the, the salutation, right? And, and so in chapter one, he gives his greeting. He gives a general account of the blessings that the gospel reveals, right? It's a, a, just a reminder of all this wonderfulness of God. And this includes the source of this blessing by which means they are attained, the reason why they're given, and their final result. And it ends with this prayer for the further spiritual enrichment of the Ephesians. So these letters are almost reverse order, right? It's kind of got the who I am and, and here's the, the, the kind of the closing. And then he gets into the meat of it. In Ephesians 2, he gives a, a description of the change in the spiritual position of Gentiles, right? We have Jews and Gentiles as a result of the work of Christ. He goes, there's no longer the separation. Not that there ever was, right? Because we're all God's children and that is what unifies us. But in Ephesians 4, he gets into unity. And this is where I'm going to read. So I'm going to, I'm going to open up um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. I'm not going to read it all, but I, I definitely want to start at the beginning, okay? And if you uh, have an NIV, the subtitle is Unity and Maturity in the Body of Christ. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, there's a couple different uh, perspectives, uh, perspectives on his wording as a prisoner of the Lord. Is it in prison because of he was an apostle, which is true, but he's a prisoner for the Lord, meaning I am, I am tied to him, right? I am, I am attached to the Lord. That's how, how committed I am. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And to be each one of us, grace has been given us. Christ apportioned it. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Skipping down to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, we read this often, the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. So these are the different roles, talked about this a couple weeks ago, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And this is until we all reach unity in the faith. There's work to be done, okay? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What can you imagine what that'll look like? Verse 16 says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul often, several times throughout his letters, he talks about us being different parts of the body and each have a specific part. And it's not necessarily a competition of an eye versus an ear or versus leg. It all has to work together. Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, right? These aren't new problems, new temptations. It says, but this is done to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you skip down to verse 26, this is the, the advice that most married couples here get, right? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And then last, P, 
piece of advice from Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen and do not, give, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's a lot of work. It's hard stuff. But that is what we're called to do because the unity starts here and then we can do the work out there. If you were to keep reading in Ephesians, Ephesians 6 gives this imagery of spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And we, we studied this several weeks ago. But the message of Ephesians for the global church, right, which is what we are, is that Christ God, or in Christ, God has reconciled himself, all things by his free grace, brought us all up so that a hope for salvation, everyone has a hope for salvation. And in doing so, he has enabled humans all over the world to be reconciled, not only with him, but with each other. Unity and peace. One choice from together. What is that choice we must make? It differs from person to person and, and situation to situation. You know, we talked about maybe it's a humbling. Maybe it's a, to set aside malice or bitterness, all that. But if I were to put it in a single word, I would say acceptance. Acceptance. Not affirming, right? right? We're, not, we're not saying it's okay that this is, you know, this or that. But we're accepting that that's where you're at. And I, I may not be in that spot, or at least on that issue, but I've, I've got my own stuff. You know, we're here just doing the work. Acceptance. That is the choice that we make to unify us. I accept you, if nothing else, as a child of God. You are entitled and deserve every ounce of respect and love that that gets. And that, sorry, there's no room for wiggle on that one. You know, unity is a common topic in the Bible, and it promotes peacefulness of living unified in harmony, right? That's the, the, the kumbaya moment. The Bible calls us to be in unity with ourselves. 1 Peter 3 says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. When it says like-minded, it doesn't mean identical. It's just on the important stuff, let's have unity. So the Bible tells us to be unity with ourselves, but also unity with all the followers of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, right, everybody, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought on those key issues, right? It says, and maintain the unity of the spirits. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So what now? Let's say we got that figured out. We're united. Well, Philippians 2, 1, 4 gives some advice. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if you're united in Christ, you've got encouragement. It says, if there's any comfort from his love, I'll tell you there is, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, He's not saying don't do anything for yourself. Don't take care of yourself. He says, don't do it out of selfish ambition or conceit. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you in the interest of each other. And I'm going to close with a benediction and then a, another verse. The benediction Paul offers is this. It's found in Romans 15. It says, may the God who gives endurance, right? The perseverance 
the God who gives perseverance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had? And why would he wish that on you? So that in one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. This week's scripture to remember, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Right? Take joy. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Let's make that our prayer. Would you pray with me, please? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we seek unity. Not because we just don't like conflict, Lord, but because you command it. We know that our strength, our protection, our our just encouragement, everything that we hold so dear is tied to unity, unity with each other, unity, most importantly to you. Now, I'm not saying there isn't, aren't divisive issues, different ways of doing things, different political views, different everything, right? And even in a room this size. But you say on the things that are important, be united of one mind, Lord, you call us to make a difference in the world. And in a little spot in the middle of the country, we just say, hey, what's our part? But you know what? You work through us every single day, every single week. We leave this place not thinking that the work here is done. We just have equipped ourselves and motivated ourselves and, and had fellowship. And, and we're ready to go out there and take it on. Lord, this week, we know you're going to put some opportunities in our paths. You're going to put some challenges there as well or at least allow them to be there. Lord, guide us through those. You promise that you will be with us, that your love and peace will be with us. We claim that promise. We redeem that promise. So we go here, we leave here, and I pray we're changed for what we've heard this morning. That we look at unity as not just a concession, but truly a full agreement and harmony on the things that matter. One God. One baptism, one spirit, one, one savior, one path to salvation. Lord, that is it. Now let us go do what we need to do to accomplish that in this world. Lord, in your son's name pray, and we thank you so much for his glorious gift of salvation. It's in him we pray. Amen.